Good morning, family, and welcome to Woodland Church. I am so delighted that you're here today, and I'm so disappointed that Becky and I cannot be in the service with you this morning. I'm asking you to pray for our son. He has COVID, and we're just honoring the advice of the doctors to quarantine ourselves until we're through this time. So I really covet your prayers for him, that God would touch him and heal him and make him well and whole. And while you're praying, be sure you pray for our family, that the Lord will protect us. And Continue to pray for everyone else. Pastor Rick just led us in a marvelous time of prayer, but be sure that you continue to pray with one another. And uh, I hope that you were online with me last night and you joined us for our Saturday prayer service. And I'm so grateful to Pastor Rick and Pastor Corey for leading the service this morning and leading us in communion. Our family has taken, took communion with you during the service today, and we'll be taking again in the second service. And also, I'm grateful for the praise team and the great job they've done. And I need to give a shout out to Pastor Mark as well for his giftings with technology and pulling all this together so I could come and preach to you this morning. I want to talk to you today, and I hope you've got your notes on your church app or you're using your iPad or something, you're taking notes along with us. I want to talk to you about how can I receive God's forgiveness. Now, it's very important that I just establish something right at the front. I can find no place in the Bible where it says we can forgive ourselves. I find, can find no place in the Bible where anyone is able to forgive our sins except for God. God forgave our sins through Jesus Christ. Now, we can forgive one another when we sin against each other, but I can't sin against you and go, oh, I forgive myself, so it's okay. No, I need to come to you and ask you to forgive me, and, and then according to Jesus, you need to forgive me if I'm sincerely repentant because that's a mark of our loving for one another, and Jesus says as we forgive each other, we will be forgiven, and I will talk more about that controversial passage in this series as we continue to move towards Pentecost. But this morning, how do I appropriate what God has already done in my life? There is a guy out of Atlanta, Georgia. He started a national get-over-it day. Think about it. He said he started this as a result of a bad breakup with a girlfriend, and he was dragging around a lot of heavy baggage, and all of us sometimes were carrying baggage from decisions that we've made. And he said, I came to the place where I just needed to get over it. And so there's all kinds of people that have responded to what they're trying to get over. And nobody, nobody that I know, and maybe you know somebody, nobody that I know has ever intentionally set out to make a bad decision. But here's the deal. We've all made bad decisions, haven't you? I know I have. We've all made some poor decisions, and the consequences that come as a result of those poor decisions, typically we're not prepared for, and we go, I can't believe this is happening. Maybe we needed better information. Maybe we acted selfishly. Maybe we acted hastily, but we live with the consequences of those decisions. Sometimes those decisions are in our relationships with other people. Uh, sometimes we're in relationship with people we shouldn't be in relationship. Sometimes we get into business deals that we shouldn't get into business deals with. Sometimes we make bad career decisions. When we make those bad career decisions, just like in any other bad decision, there's a catch and there's a trap that happens as a result of that. In my devotions this morning, as a matter of fact, when I was reading my Bible, I literally just dropped to my knees, opened up my Bible in front of me, and I began to pray these verses from Psalms 119. For there is a connection between a love for God, a love for His Word, 
and good decisions. A love for God, a love for his word, and good decisions. And I just began to pray those passages of scripture and thank God for the promises that were there and realize the more I love God, the more I love his word, the better decisions that I'm going to make. You see, sin, that's what we're dealing with here. And I was told this week that in some circles, that's not a very popular word anymore. Of course, I knew that. But you know, sin is a big deal. Sin is what separates us from God. And I love the illustration that we've taught you to use before about how the cross bridges the gap between us and God. You see, sin separated us from the Lord. Sin separated us from fellowship with God. It separated and broke that relationship with us. God still owns us by right of creatorship, but the fellowship that we had with God was broken by sin. Now, if you look at the cross, at that cross beam right there, that's what we can walk across to have our sins forgiven, to, to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, because the center beam represents what Christ did for us by coming down, descending into the depth of our sins, taking our sins upon himself. He descended into the depths of hell, and then we can be born again and have our sins forgiven. And sometimes when I talk to people, they say to me, I don't feel forgiven. And that's what I want to deal with this morning, because all of us have had those times where we've said to ourselves, I just don't feel forgiven. We've done something that's grieved us. We've grieved other people. And even though maybe they've forgiven us and God has forgiven us, we struggle with that. And we're going to look at that in depth this morning. Martin Luther was once asked, do you feel that your sins are forgiven? And I love Luther's reply. He says, no, I don't feel they are forgiven. I know they are forgiven because God says so in his word. Isn't that powerful? No, I don't feel that they're forgiven. I know that they're forgiven. You see, you can change your feelings by what you know. You can change your feelings by what you confess. You can change your feelings by what you believe. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a promise from God. Hallelujah. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a promise from God. And God says, as we looked at in the message last week, God chooses not to remember our sins against us. It's not that God forgets. God can't forget. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything about you, and he knows everything about me, and he still loves us. But he chooses not to remember. In other words, he doesn't go and take a shovel and start digging down into our old lives and digging up the bones of our old life and just beating us over the head with our sins. And even after we've given our hearts to Jesus, he doesn't go around after he's forgiven us of our sins and dig those old sins up and begin to beat us over the head with them. He chooses not to remember our sins against us because of the blood of Jesus. A husband and a wife were in counseling one time, and the husband said, you know, when we get into an argument, my wife gets historical. And the counselor said, you mean hysterical? He says, no, I mean historical. She brings up everything that I've ever done in the past, and we can't deal with the issue at hand. Well, that's true not only of women and men in marriages, but it's true of people in business. It's true sometimes, unfortunately, of people in churches. We say we've forgiven, but we bring up things from the past, and we will deal with that in another message in this series. But you need to know God will never be historical on you. He's never hysterical, but he will never be historical. Let me take you to the passage of Scripture I want to read to you, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me out of respect for the word of the Lord this morning, and then we're going to read. Thank you so much. 
Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Look at that. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. If you're using an old-fashioned Bible, paper Bible, which I still use when I'm studying, underline that, including Peter. If you've got your iPad or you can circle on your iPad, highlight that on your iPad. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you so much for the forgiveness of our sins. I thank you for washing them all away, not digging them up and remembering them against us anymore. Instead, Father, you totally free us. You give us a fresh start in life. And I thank you for that, and I pray for the peace of God upon this congregation, our online campus, as well as our church campus here in Brownstown, Michigan. Would you do that this morning, I pray, in your holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, God bless you. You can be seated this morning. You want to take a lot of notes because there's a lot of ground to cover here. Peter made a bad decision. You know, let me just go through it quickly because I'm convinced that most of us know. But Peter one time told Jesus just before Jesus was betrayed, he said, I will never deny you. I'll always be there with you. And Jesus told him, he says, you know, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so when Peter ran away, when Jesus was arrested, he, he followed closely with the crowd, but he was afraid for his life. And this little slave girl came up to him and says, you're one of his disciples. And he said, no, I'm not. He denied it. And then another slave girl came up to him and says, I know you're one of his disciples. And he, again, he says, no, I'm not. And then someone says, your accent betrays you. I know that you're one of his disciples. And Peter actually swore using the, the name of the Lord, which no good Jew would ever do. He swore using the name of the Lord that he never knew Jesus. And then the rooster crowed, and the Bible talks about how Peter went out and he began to weep bitterly. In other words, this is why Christ tells, go tell my disciples, but be sure you tell Peter. Because sometimes when we make a mistake, sometimes when we are sin, we, we shut ourselves off from God. We shut ourselves off from one another. We, we try to hide ourselves away. Through the years, I've had some awful, terrible things to have to walk through with people. When carelessness has cost somebody their life, walking through that in prayer and counseling. When carelessness has cost a child's life, walking through that in counseling. When someone had a relationship they should have never had and there were compromising decisions that were made that bought a lot of sin and a lot of shame and a lot of pain. Sometimes there's been people who've compromised their integrity because they saw no other way. They, they couldn't take the way of faith, and so they've compromised their integrity, and the enemy was laying a trap. And as I've said to you for two services already, the enemy will minimize the temptation and maximize the consequences. And sometimes people just say to me, I can't forgive myself. I know that the Bible says God forgives me. I know my wife, my husband, my children, my business partner has said they forgive me, but I'm struggling to forgive myself. And what I hear when people are saying that is they need some assurance that their guilt has been cleansed. They need their conscience to be clear. And there's nothing like a good, clear conscience to help you get a good night's sleep. So when I hear somebody say to me, I believe God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself, I hear two things. I hear pride, 
and I also hear self-pity. Now, I hope I'm not insulting you. I just need you to follow along with me on this. Because I hear pride saying, you know, I can't forgive myself. Even though I know God's forgiven me, I'm just too proud to think that somebody else could bear the price for my sins. I'm just too proud to think that what Jesus did there at Calvary was enough for me, so I need to bear this sin myself. Well, friends, you'll never have a clear conscience, and you'll never be able to pay Only the blood of Jesus can do that. And then sometimes when I hear people say that, I think what they're saying is, it's just difficult to humble myself and come to Jesus. I told you the story last week with permission of one of our men who struggled of saying, I'm sorry to the Lord and forgiveness over and over. And we talked about how God forgives repeatedly till finally that chain and that cycle was broken. You see, meekness Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is when I humble myself before the Lord and I allow God to have his will in my life. Meekness takes my mind off my sin and puts my mind upon Jesus. And I want you to look back at the cross again today because this is so important. When I contemplate, when I meditate, when I think about what Christ did for me upon the cross and I picture the blood of Jesus that was shed for me, that suddenly I realize I can be forgiven. I am forgiven. There's no need to, for me to feel sorry for myself. There's no need for me to flagellate myself like I've seen people do in some countries. I just rejoice and the promise of God is Martin Luther says, it's not a feeling, it's a promise from the Lord. And you know, when I say to the Lord, Lord, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against other people, please forgive me when I believe his promise, when I trust his promise, when I receive his promise, then I can break that chain. I can break that cycle, and I can walk and become the man who loves God, loves his word, and then find the strength to do his will. And you know, the Apostle Paul says in one of his wonderful letters to the church that when we do the will of God, it becomes a blessing to the whole community. So the first thing I want you to know is that we come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness. And God forgives us so that we can live in grace. God forgives you, God forgives me, so that we can live in grace. And grace is when God begins to pour out upon my life all the things I don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give me what I do deserve. That's what the cross is all about. But then God in his grace, he pours out his favor, he pours out his love, he pours out his spirit, he pours out his spiritual gifts, he takes my talents and he multiplies them, and whatever I put into his hands to use, God takes that. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say, come on, victory this morning. Because what the word of God is saying right there, those who receive the wonderful grace of God, the righteousness that Christ has given us, we will triumph over sin and death. I hate it when the University of Georgia loses a football game. You hate it when Michigan or Michigan State loses a football game. But friends, football is nothing compared to the game of life that we're in. Reaching out not only for our children and our families, but for our neighbors that need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And in this world that seems to be spinning out of control sometimes, it's important to know your neighbor, your family members, your friends, our community can live in triumph over sin 
sin and death as we receive the grace of God. How does he do it? We looked at this last week. Let me go through it again. God forgives specifically. God forgives specifically. Now, I didn't have time on Easter Sunday to deal with this, but let me just go a little bit deeper with this. Most people that I know, they have no problem with God's general forgiveness of sin. It doesn't matter whether they're Protestant or whether they're Catholic. Most people that I meet, when I talk about that God, when we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, they have no problem that God forgives us of our sins. Becky Peppert, who I've recommended her books to you before, she's a Christian speaker, uh, motivational speaker, but she's also a great author and has written some wonderful books on evangelism. And Becky tells the wonderful story about an encounter she had with a woman who came to one of the conferences that she was speaking at. And after this message that morning, this particular lady came down to her and says, could I meet with you in private? And so Becky invited her back to the green room where they were able to sit down and talk alone. And this young woman who was in the ministry, this young woman just poured out her heart to Becky Pippert. And she said, you know, before I got married, I, I had an abortion. And she said, I didn't tell anybody. I just, I had the abortion and, and I was so ashamed of what I'd done because my friends knew that I was a Christian. People knew that I was a Christian and I was so ashamed for what I'd done that I just, I've kept it bottled up inside. She said, even the day when I walked down the aisle and I married my husband, she said, the whole time I'm walking down the aisle, she said, there's this voice inside of me saying, you're a murderer. If people knew your sin, nobody would be here. And she said, on the outside, I was beaming as a bride, but on the inside, I was being consumed. And she said, Becky, I have been consumed with this for all of my life. And she says, you know, even though I, I, I've lived for the Lord and I've tried to do my best for the Lord, she said, I keep thinking I killed my child. I can never be forgiven. I can never be forgiven. And she just began to weep. And Becky wisely reached out to her and began to love her. And she said to her, she says, I understand your pain. But she said, you need to understand that God forgave you of your sins long before you had that abortion. She said, you need to understand that you're guilty of a sin that is far greater than the sin of aborting your child. She said, you're as guilty as I am guilty of crucifying Jesus Christ. It was your sins and my sins that put Christ upon the cross. She says, God forgave us when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, and he forgave us of all of our sins, and he's promised that he will forgive us of every sin that we've ever committed in our lives. Listen to this verse of Scripture. I write this, dear children, to guide you out of sin. Look at this. To guide you out of sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a priest friend in the presence of the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous Jesus, Jesus Christ, righteous Jesus. His blood speaks a better word than all of our sins. And as she began to talk and to pray with her, she reminded her of what Martin Luther says, we all carry about in our pockets the very nails of Jesus Christ. And friends, this morning, if there was figuratively a way to show you, I'd pull out out of my pockets, the nails that I put into Jesus's hand. God not only forgave me of my sins, but he forgave
forgives us of all of our specific sins. And the worst thing that you and I ever did, it was not have an affair. It was not have an abortion. The worst thing we ever did was not rob a bank. The worst thing we ever did was sin against God Almighty so that Christ sent his son to die for our sins. So there's no room for the pharisaical Christian that stands up and says about the, the publican or the tax collector or the prostitute or anybody else and say, I thank you that I'm not like them. We ourselves sinned against Almighty God. And the reason that this woman had been so depressed was because she was depending upon her niceness. She was depending upon her Christian work. She was depending upon all the things that she had done for God she could never be free because she could never trust that God had specifically cleansed her of her sins. And when you and I, according to what I just read to you, when we sin, if we will go to God and ask him to forgive us, he will forgive specific sins in your life. Now, I want you to do this later today. I want you to write down what that specific thing is that's bothering you. You don't have to tell anybody else. You don't have to tell me. If it would help you to tell someone that you can trust, that's fine. But I want you to write down that specific thing. And I want you to take it before the Lord. And I want you to say, Father, forgive me. And then either burn that piece of paper, shred that piece of paper in a shredder, whatever you need to do, flush it down the toilet, whatever you need to do. But you get rid of that thing in the presence of the Lord and let that be a reminder of you. God doesn't dig in the graveyard. God doesn't dig up the specific sins and beat you over the head. He sets you free. Number two, God forgives me instantly. The moment I confess my sin, I don't have to beg. I don't have to wait around. I don't have to mourn. But God forgives me instantly. God is merciful and God is quick to forgive. Number three, God forgives me completely. I love this. God forgives me completely. There's no leftovers. There's no residual sin in my life. God does not come back and say, do you remember when you did this? He doesn't get historical on us, and he doesn't get hysterical. He chooses not to remember them. And you know what? That's the kind of man I want to be as a pastor. That's the kind of man I want to be as a husband. It's the kind of man I want to be as a father and a grandfather, as a neighbor. I don't want to be somebody that is, is historical, digging at the past. I want to keep people pointed towards the future and what God has for them. All sins, look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. Hallelujah. That old arrest warrant. And that's exactly what was out on you and I. When we sinned, the, the enemy had like this arrest warrant that laid a claim to our lives. But Jesus' blood has paid for that all completely. And then number four, God forgives repeatedly. Yep, over and over and over again. Yep, he forgives us over and over again. I know it doesn't make sense. It's too wonderful to be true. But listen, let's be honest. All of us have repeated making some poor decisions. We tell ourselves we want to learn. We tell ourselves we're never going to do that again. But we find ourselves stumbling and struggling. Look at uh, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 19. In keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. That's what God has done in all of our lives. Please 
pardon the sins of this people just as you've forgiven them ever since we left Egypt. This is Numbers 14, verse 19. And he says, Moses prays this, in keeping with your magnificent love. You see, God is immensely patient. And you can always count on the love of God. And God is always faithful, and he listens again and again and again. Look here at uh, Hebrews 7.25. He is able to save completely all who come to God through him, since he will live forever, he will always be there to remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. Number of years ago, a number of years ago, I was preaching on this passage on a Sunday morning, and I slipped out into the congregation, and I, I went up all three of the aisles, and I took certain people by the hands and just reminded them that God had forgiven them and that when they sinned, that God would say, remember, I've already paid for them with my blood. It was just a reminder. It's not that God needed to be reminded, but it's that power of the blood of Jesus. And maybe you sang like I sang. There's power, there's power, there's power in the blood when I was growing up. But I was touched, and I remember this so clearly, as I took different people's hands, reminded them of the blood that was, that was shed for our sins. People began to cry, and people began to weep because God was freeing them. And then God forgives me freely. No cost, no charge, nothing I have to do, nothing I can do to earn it, but God forgives me. I just have to accept it. Look at Isaiah 55 and verse 7. The wicked, the wicked should stop doing wrong, and they should stop their evil thoughts. They should return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them Look at that, mercy on them. They should come to our God because he will freely forgive them. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, the Lord has freely forgiven. He has freely forgiven you, so you must always forgive. You see, when you're born again, salvation changes you, changes you into a brand new person. You get a brand new life. You get a fresh start in life. Habits and patterns change. For the better, your life changes for the better. And if you're not a Christian this morning and you're, you're listening, you're part of our online campus this morning, or maybe you're here in the sanctuary today and, and you haven't given your heart to Jesus yet, then understand your life will instantly change for the better. But here's why I want to just really drill down on this point for a moment and why it's so important. Because those of you that have been addicts, those of you that have been alcoholics, those of you that have become addicted to destructive behaviors, you know what I'm talking about better than some people who are self-righteous and pompous and proud. <clears throat> Pardon me. You know better. You could probably come up here and talk about this point a little better than what I even could. Because you see, the people that I've worked with that have struggled with addictive behaviors who've sincerely given their heart to God, sometimes they find those old habits and patterns of life difficult almost impossible to change. They'll commit that same behavior. They'll do that same thing all over again. And after it's over, they regret it. They feel bad. The enemy minimizes the temptation, maximizes the consequence. It's important that you believe the promise, you trust the promise, and you receive the promise this morning. Because there is nothing more humiliating there is nothing more degrading than to say, I am going to stop this behavior and then find yourself powerless to stop this behavior. And you say, Pastor, will God keep forgiving me? 
over and over and over again. God will continue to forgive you. But what I want you to know before I, before I bring this home for you is that you're hurting your family to the third and the fourth generation. You see, our sins affect our families to the third and fourth generation. The, the sins of, a, of an alcoholic or a drug addict, the, the sins of a philanderer, the sins of a thief, they impact your family right on down through the generations. And sometimes it can take three or four generations to recover from what someone in a family has done. Sometimes it can affect a company and affect its success. Look how many people have lost their jobs because of dishonesty in business and how many families families that affect it. But when you turn your life over to Jesus, this is the good news. He gives you the power not only to triumph over sin and to triumph over death. Let me say it again. He gives you the power to triumph, but God blesses your descendants to a thousand generations. That's what I want from my family. I'm living in the blessing of my grandparents' faith. I'm living in the blessings of my parents' faith. I want my children and my grandchildren living in the blessings of that faith. We're living in the blessings of my wife's family's faith. Brothers and sisters today, you can choose destruction for three or four generations, or you can choose the blessings of God for a thousand generations. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I was with you right now in the sanctuary, because this is so vitally important. So what happens when I give my heart to Jesus and I allow the Holy Spirit to change me? I suddenly gain credibility with myself. I begin to have confidence in my decisions. I love God, I love his word, and I begin to make better decisions according to the will of God because I choose to obey his word and the Holy Spirit helps me. Here's how he does that. Number one, I let the Holy Spirit change my way of thinking. Instead of being selfish, I become generous. Instead of being lustful, I become faithful. Look at what the Bible says. You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with all of its bad habits. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking. You say, Pastor, how did you become faithful in your thinking? How did you become positive in your thinking? Because those of you who know me, and I've shared before how negative I was, the Holy Spirit changed me. The more you meditate in His Word, the more you pray and worship, He'll change your thinking. Secondly, God will help me build a wonderful life. God will help me to build a wonderful, and I just kind of hyphenated that. I know that's not the correct spelling, but a wonderful. My life is filled with wonders. Even tonight, or today, speaking to you this morning, I find myself just filled with wonder that I can still bring the word of the Lord to you. I find myself filled with wonder as I look at my beautiful wife that God has given me and my, my children and my grandchildren. I, I find myself filled with wonder at this congregation and all the stories that are here. I find myself filled with wonder at what I see God doing here in our community and around the world. And friends, I'm telling you, the days of miracles are not over. God is not finished with you yet. You see, I have an opportunity to partner with God. I have an opportunity to be a yoke fellow with the Lord. My wife, as you know, has become just enamored with gardening. She's already started. But you know, I saw what that yard was like when Becky wasn't gardening in it. And I see what it became last year, filled with flowers and vegetables when Becky got involved with God in gardening. And you know what? I'm telling you, whatever you and God partner upon, it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be full of wonder. The Lord is a sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. You ought to circle that. 
He gives not only grace, what I don't deserve, he gives me things I don't deserve, but the glory of God begins to shine around about us. And the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Trust the promise, believe the promise, receive the promise. Do I ever get discouraged? Of course I do. Do I ever have battles? Of course I do. But here's what I do when I get discouraged or when I have a battle, and here's what I want you to do. David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. He encouraged and strengthened himself. How did he do that? He worshiped. He confessed the word of the Lord. He prayed the word of the Lord. He lifted his hands up in praise to God, and he sang to God, and God began to fill and renew his spirit, and he will do the same for you. Let me take you back to Peter, because I want you to just uh, read quickly this week. Read the Gospels. Maybe just choose the book of Mark and read it. Read the book of Acts, and then read the two letters, short letters that Peter wrote to the church. Go and tell my disciples, including Peter. Peter failed the Lord miserably. He broke one of the big ten. He took the name of the Lord in vain and swore that he didn't knew the Lord. He didn't know God. And yet, Peter became not only a pillar in the assembly, but Peter became a leader of the church. He became a powerful man of God. God used him to take the gospel to Gentile believers like you and me. You see, it's never too late with God. And when you read the story of Peter, you will notice Jesus didn't dig up his old past. Jesus didn't dig up his denial. Jesus pointed Peter to the future. And we're going to talk about that more in this series as well. Jesus didn't even bring up his denial. Jesus didn't bring up his sin. Jesus chose not to remember his sin against him. He just simply said to Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Hallelujah. That's what God is saying to you this morning. And Peter and you and me, we find our identity in Jesus Christ. We find our identity. My identity is not, as I like to talk about a lot, the bulldogs. It's not, my identity is not even found in being a pastor. My identity is not found even in my marriage. And I love my wife and my children so much. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. I am who he says I am. You are who he says you are. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Just four things real quickly. You're going to have to write fast. I am accepted. I am loved. I am forgiven. And I am capable. I am accepted. I am loved. I am forgiven and I am capable. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you never, ever, ever dig around in our past. And I pray that right now for those who are watching online and those here in this sanctuary, Jesus, that they will realize how much you love them, how much you care for them, Lord. I pray that, God, they will humble themselves before you Lord, with meekness, remembering that strength under control, with meekness to say to you, Lord, I confess my sins. I believe what Jesus has done for me has washed away my sins as I confess them to you. Lord, I want to be restored to fellowship with you. I want to live forgiven. And Heavenly Father, I ask you that right now, for all who will pray this prayer with me, 
God, they will not depend upon a feeling, but they will depend upon a promise that I have brought to them from your word this morning. Would you just pray this with me? You don't even have to say the same words I'm saying. You just pray them out loud. Pray them to Jesus if you're at home, but you can pray them quietly. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my sins and bearing them. Thank you for paying the price for my sins I could never pay. It's unbelievable, but I believe it. I believe your promise, and I receive your promise of forgiveness. And I ask you to help me, Lord, walk in that forgiveness that you have given to me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm so thankful that you joined us this morning. Pastor Rick is going to come up and dismiss us here in just a few minutes and pray for you and bless you. But after the service this morning, if you need prayer, you're here in the sanctuary. Our pastors will be down front in the two corners. And if you would just simply wear a mask, they'll be more than happy to pray with you or to anoint you with oil if you need prayer for sick this morning. Could I ask you also to be faithful with your tithes and with your offerings? What a joy it was for me to give my tithes and give my offerings to the Lord today. You can do that simply by going online to woodland.church and just click the word give. You can mail a check to our church at 24101 Van Horn Road, Brownstown, Michigan. Uh, that's to Woodland Church. Or you can just simply text, like I do, 77977. Use the keyword Woodland Church. And I promise you, friends, as you put God first in your finances, He will bless your stewardship. He will bless your finances. You will find yourself living better because you're making good decisions according to the Word of the Lord. Becky and I, again, covet your prayers for our son and over our family. We love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend.